0: Hey, I'm Laura and I'm B, and you've discovered the energy to heal a podcast brought to you by Embolden label in seasons of struggle. It's obvious what's wrong, but somehow fixing what's broken seems impossible here. You'll learn about Splunkna a faith-based method for breakthrough that will allow you to get unstuck and move towards freedom. It allows you to connect the dots that led you into hardship in the first place and release and restore what's holding you back.
1: Splankna brings together the physical, emotional, and spiritual aspects of an issue. This whole person approach leads to lasting change when compared to traditional methods. Let's get started. Today's episode of the Energy to Heal podcast covers a sensitive topic that might be better listened to on your own with headphones in. If you have children in the car or near you, you may want to pause this episode
0: and come back to it at a later date. Hey there today, we are doing an interview with my co-host B hearing her story and how she heard about Splunkna, how she got started in it as a client and how that brought her to ending up getting trained in it as an, and working in it as a practitioner. I have not heard this story yet. So I'm hearing it for the first time with you guys, and I'm so excited to just jump in. So B, tell us, um, where your story of Splunkness started. And I would love to hear it. Start with what were your thoughts about it beforehand? Did you hear it and automatically fall in love? And like, I have to do that. Or were you skeptical? What was, what was it?
1: Yeah, no, my story with Splunkna is so different in that I think it took several years before I even understood what I was doing with Splunkna because I had never experienced anything like it. So a brief little track of what I had been through, I was, I went through a really hard divorce that was a very high conflict relationship. Um, It was a high conflict relationship during the marriage, but it was it did not resolve it. It actually got much worse after the divorce was finalized and I had two children. So I was 28 raising a three-year-old and a 15 month old. I was, um, not receiving financial support. I was, I was struggling, but not in the ways that you would imagine that struggle. I had a great job. I, um, financially was able to provide, I was able to keep the home that, um, my children were born in. So there were things that people would see on the outside and think, wow, like you're so lucky. And that was kind of a theme in my life. Um, I think on the outside, I didn't, I didn't have a lot of indicators that there was a problem. Obviously a divorce was kind of a, a, a big change in that, but even through the divorce, I look back and I I see pictures of myself and I always held it together. I always smiled um, I grew up with a nuclear in a nuclear family and so it was really important to me that my children had a different experience than the reality that we were living through, um, which was hard and it was emotional and it was um like there were just times that it felt like the person that is hurting you most was then ripping your children out of your fingers and my my kids were babies. So there was just this, Uh, the only word I can use for it was anguish, but I didn't have the frame for those types of emotions back then. So it just was a constant struggle bicycle. Um, And so I, um, I was really deep into that and had been in, in different types of traditional therapy through that. And there was certainly benefit in that, but the anguish didn't go away. The struggle wasn't resolving. And I quite frankly, could not see a way out of that struggle. It just felt like for the next 18 years of my life, this would be my story. And I would just have to learn how to live with it. Um, And it's hard to talk about because quite frankly, it became my identity. So I'm a, a new single mom. I wanted the family more than anything all all I ever wanted my entire life was to be a stay-at-home mom, be an awesome rock star wife. Like I never was a career person. I never had like big dreams of, you know, like I don't know. just I wasn't that like corporate person or someone who wanted to get my MBA or yeah. you know, things like that. yeah. So for me, this this divorce rocked the life that I imagined I would build. And so I really went into, uh, unfortunately, I went into, I'm going to meet another great guy and he's going to come in and he's going to love my children and he's going to love me and he's going to appreciate me and it's all going to be great. And during that period of time where I was a single mom dating and trying to kind of you know revive this dream of family life i became a christian and i met the lord um i had had i did not grow up in a um christian family but my family had christian values and i think that's really important to highlight and it has a through line in my story which we'll unpack on another day but i always um i think i always had this draw towards god but i didn't have a frame for him Because I didn't have the, you know, I didn't grow up with a Bible in the house. I didn't grow up listening to stories about Jesus. Um, In fact, my parents have a lot of spiritual trauma. And so I actually, they didn't talk negatively about it in front of us often, but occasionally you would kind of get a taste of their trauma, if that makes sense. And so God wasn't really like, it just wasn't really a, a thing in our house growing up um but the values were and so i um i really through that single mom journey found the lord and committed to put jesus at the center of my life but i was a baby christian and i don't say that to to sound condescending i say it because it was an important it's an important realization for me now that i've been through all the healing that i've been through Because I had a, I had like two hemispheres that didn't go together when I thought about um, a loving marital relationship. And so one half of that hemisphere was I had loving parents who got married at a really young age and they, they showed what marriage could be and they showed really the dream of what you would want to look for and then the other side of that hemisphere was that i was exposed to pornography at the age of 6 years old and so i had this unhealthy side of that hemisphere that said what would a wife's job be what would a woman's role be how yeah. would i keep a husband you know christian or not keep a husband happy in that way um and this that hemisphere was a part of me that had never been exposed. I had never shared that story with anyone, but it was playing this role in how I was choosing partners. And so unfortunately I met um, what I I like kind of tongue in cheek, call him a neon Christian. I met this guy that exemplified what I felt like I really wanted in my life. And I went into relationship with him, ended up getting remarried and it just was not um, it was not healthy. I'm just going to say that for today's episode, because it's so complex. Um, I met my Splunkna practitioner. She was actually a equine assisted mental health therapist, and she Mm -hmm. was starting a nonprofit on the property that I lived on at that time, which happened to belong to this person that I was married to. And, um, I, it's so funny because I was jealous of her and I was jealous of her because she was really smart. She was highly educated. She was, um, really calm. She had this really peaceful energy about her. And I was in a relationship with someone who would toss me out very regularly and really like kind of gaslight me or slam the door on me. Um, and my love, right. This love that I was like, so dedicated to um, finding in my
0: life and giving in my life. And almost so desperate for, so you, you were desperate for that love and desperate. I'm Mm -hmm. sure he knew that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And there were times where, you know, he would almost build other people up to, and I don't know that it was intentional, but it certainly felt intentional and it would make me feel this big. And that was a theme. This wasn't just him. Every romantic relationship I had had in my life. I always say like. my mom has said you have a broken picker for close to 20 years of my i mean it was a long time and it was like i would meet these guys they would seem so great and then pretty quickly i would be like i don't know why he's treating me like this and i would then blame myself like i must have done something to cause him to change who he was um and so i really was like attracted to this this certain type of treatment I'll say, because, yeah. you know, I think when you start diving into the spiritual stuff, um, I can't necessarily say it was the person. I think there can be unhealthy traits and many other things working against people. And that's been a, a grace that I have found through Splatna and through my journey. And so in the middle of this relationship, one day I was just a complete emotional mess. I was fighting one one situation and fighting
0: the current situation at the same time, and, and you were she, still in the in the throes of your yes. previous divorce, and now this messy well, second marriage. Is that more what you're just-
1: more the co parenting constant conflict? Okay. So there we would we would end up back in situations in court or with attorneys. It was very expensive. Um, It just felt like I could never get grounding under my feet, and. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I just, I think the broken, um, emotional single mom was looking to be rescued by a great guy who would protect me and who would, who would care for me. And, and that just was not what happened. It just wasn't the case. Um, on the outside though, it did appear that that was what had happened, um, to other people, they saw a very different picture. And so it was really the, it was really what was going on behind closed doors that i have always been afraid to share and talk about that that was my like that was really why i needed splunkna is i was in this constant internal struggle and yeah. you couldn't see it on the outside so um i know we just aired your story about noah your son and and his how his behaviors he was like crying out you could you could see it. You could visually see the pain for me. I, I was, I mean, on the outside, you'd think I had like that word lucky, right. That label lucky comes up a lot for me where people really just didn't see the internal struggle. Mm -hmm. So my first Splunkmas session, it wasn't even, at least this is how I remember it. And I was in so much stress. It's possible that she explained the whole thing. And I just, had yeah. no frame
0: for it, no capacity. And did you ask her for a session or did she offer you one because she saw where you're living?
1: What I remember is that she offered it. Okay. And um, we sat, she flipped over a paint bucket and she sat on a paint bucket. And then there was this old, like um, rusted chair. I love it. And she sat me in the old rusted chair, right? The more comfortable chair, which is funny because it was yeah. a piece, it was trash yeah. that we found out in this field. And she sat on an upside down paint bucket and she did a session on me. And I remember during that session, there was a point where she was praying over me at the end of the session. I don't remember what we healed even. I just remember the end we were praying and my whole chest opened up and my arms started lifting to the sky. And it was like, for the first time I allowed for the Lord to expose all that I had locked up inside of me. And, and that was one of, I mean, I was going to text her this morning and say, how many sessions have I had? Um, my story is so different in that I didn't know Jesus very well. (laughs) Like we were, we were just getting to know each other. I was not in a position in my life where I had a lot of hope Um, and really I, I was looking to the men in my life and not just romantic partners. It was, it was, I had men on a pedestal as far as like looking at them for all knowing, all powerful, all resourceful Mm. protectors, helpers, um, which is not a bad thing if you have a healthy relationship with the Lord and a healthy relationship with men, but I didn't. And so I needed a lot of time to restore my relationship with God and the masculine side of that. And I had to learn, like, it took me a long time to learn how to allow God to be my my partner, my lover, my friend, my intimate place to lie down my troubles. Um, Like there was, there were the the process for me was so long. And I oftentimes describe my Spelanchna experience as a client, as almost like a dentist scraping out the inside of a cavity, like the disease of a cavity and really kind of having to like excavate out all of the junk that's in there before you can go in and kind of start patching up what is missing and what's broken and what's diseased and all those kinds of things. And then there also was this, I went through this major internal change, many internal changes, um, which is why I now do the work that I do. And on the outside, people were so confused because on the outside, I didn't, I didn't change. Nothing was radically different about me on the outside. So I was going through this like redeeming, rebirthing story And like the Lord through Splunkna has redeemed my purity, right. My innocence as a child and allowed me to step into that, into adulthood with more discernment and better boundaries. And you can't see that change take place. And this, my story, um, you know, I, I, again, I'm going to go back to Noah's story, like a lot of people felt really guilty that they missed it. You know, I mean, when I've brought up some of the subjects that I've had to heal, I haven't necessarily run into the same warmth of, oh my gosh, we want to hear this. We want to hear what's changed in you. Because there's a lot of shame in a lot of others around me that, you know, it's it's been a really hard healing road. And I've had to really slowly come, you know, make those changes, um, both with intention for myself, but also with love for the people that I love who aren't aware that anything needed to change. And so so, how
0: long were you doing Splunkna sessions for, with this kind of intensity?
1: Oh, probably three and a half years. I would say three and a half years and I would take breaks. Sometimes it would get to be too much. The biggest challenge that I ran into was the thing that I had to heal most was something I could not have healed inside of that relationship unless that person had wanted to heal their deep wounds as well. And, um, God called me out of the marriage, which is something that a lot of people are critical of in the Christian world. Um, And I think the thing that I have learned through that is my marriages were not marriages. They were not um, clean. They were not sanctified. They were not healthy. And I cannot honestly say, even with me being a baby Christian, I can't honestly say that I went to the Lord and asked the Lord if this was the right decision for my life, which is a very different frame from how I'm able to live my life now. Um, and so I think I talk a lot about capacity because, um, I think when we start getting into the subjects of faith and the Bible and what Jesus calls us to do, there's a lot of learning involved in that. And so for me, having not had a frame growing up with these principles and these teachings, I, I, it took me time to really understand what that looks like. And luckily um, by the grace of God, I'm in a wonderfully healthy, happy, connected marriage. And I, you know, I always kind of joke, like, this is the first time I've been married. This is the first yes. time that I have had a godly husband who loves me, who supports me, who is my protector. Love um, that. and it's just not the same experience. So, I, I have a hard time even recognizing
0: my relationships as
1: marriages or yeah, I get recognizing the divorces.
0: And I actually love that because it takes away the shame that you could label from. This is my third. Ma- no, this is your first because the other two were not. Yeah. Yeah. What God ever intended for marriage.
1: It's interesting. The shame piece is something that a lot of people will remind you of. So even though, even once you've healed the shame, um that doesn't necessarily mean that people are all of a sudden going to recognize your experience as truth. And that's something I've had to really grow into is like this is my truth and this yeah. is what the Lord has redeemed. And I think as a culture and we talked about this a little bit in the last episode, um not everybody is really trusting that you're making a big change. And big change is also very messy. So like Showing up differently takes practice and it's kind of like having a relationship with someone who's constantly putting you down but they're not really intending to it's kind of just a part of their personality like say they're always sarcastic it's like i don't want to not be in relationship with that person but i also know how their traits make me feel small okay. so learning how to overcome those really challenging relationships set boundaries, but still maintain the love and connection is truly, at least in my experience, has been one of the hardest things to learn. And it has been the most time consuming. I'm extremely relational. So one of the things that is the most, uh, I guess I'd say traumatizing is when I invest in people and then I lose them or I have to say goodbye to them. Um, which obviously you can probably hear from my story has not always benefited me. It's there have been many times I've needed to protect myself from people who should not have had access to me. Now I the biggest thing I've achieved through Splunkna.
0: Yes, that uh, was going to be my next question. Yeah, your, like what is your what would you summarize as your biggest takeaway from Splunkna?
1: Yeah. Well, besides the purity piece, like besides the, you know, really excavating out all of the sexual trauma that I experienced in my life, the biggest thing is I learned, I learned a discernment to really see when people should or should not have access to me. Um, My husband jokes that I, I care to a fault about people that I'm like, I'm nice to a fault. Um, And he says that kind of jokingly. It's not like he's, you know, being rude, but I do tend to sort of over-give, over-deliver, over-connect, over-encourage. Um, and I believe that God has created me that way. I think those are a lot of my gifts. But I also had to learn that there, there are fences that are appropriate to put in place. And so one of those things was um, about two years ago. Actually, it was about two and a half years ago now. I got a text message and it was highly inappropriate, and maybe we'll maybe we'll share this on another podcast episode, um, because I think there's a frame for the subject around it. But I got a text message from um, a practitioner of all things—not a splunkna practitioner. This was a, a medical practitioner, and who was married, who was male, and the text message that I received was about um, an inappropriate dream that he had had about me, and mm-hmm. I just remember. I'd been through all of this trauma healing and I had, I mean, God had pointed out all of these ways that people had violated me and I had like been afraid to stand up to them or been afraid of how my reaction would be labeled. And I always felt like I had to explain myself or say, you know, even in a situation like that, I would say something like, you know, I'd this makes me a little bit uncomfortable and, but I would always kind of want to forgive people. Yes. And in that moment I saw that text and I remember my hands just shaking, thinking like, this is never going to stop happening to me. And I've known women who are like, what? Like, I've never gotten a text message like that. And I think in that regard, I was really victim marked in my life as a young child, which we'll get into also on another episode. Um, And so I went in. And I labeled that contact as blocked in all, all uppercase letters. And then I blocked the contact. I now have, uh, over 84 blocked numbers in my phone that I, that I, um, they're just all people that I was allowing their voices in my life in some capacity. And they weren't, they weren't true. They weren't accurate. They weren't helpful. They weren't loving. Um, and in many of those cases, they were really like exploiting kind of the best parts
0: of me. So that's my okay. story. I want to pause yeah. right there to highlight the the change in your thinking after splunkness sessions, because I noticed this and this surprised me after getting trained in it. I thought, oh, people are just going to feel different. They'll feel better after splunkness sessions. But what I hear people say somewhat often is after clearing some out, of these previous traumas out. I think differently. Mm -hmm. I will catch a thought, go through my head and I'm like, where did that come from? I, I never think that way. Right. And I, and they'll say, I know it's from Splunkna. So an example would be, I've done a few sessions on this woman who had been really, really hurt for many, many years by the same person. And after doing multiple sessions on this season of her life, she had been driving down the street. This person came to mind and the thought that went through her head was, I just need to forgive them and move on. Mm-hmm. She's like, what? <laughs> no way. I've never thought that about this person. I've always been like revenge. I have to, I have to make it known to them how much they hurt me. Yeah, I have not been able to move on. I've been stuck for years right. And somehow unwinding all that stuff allowed their brain to think differently. Right. To not get stuck in this spiral of whatever their pattern and maybe their pattern is um, bitterness and ungratefulness and they can't see the good things in their life because they're so wound up and they go down this spiral every single day because something triggers the thought and there they go. Yeah. Well, all of a sudden you do Splunkna sessions and they're able to notice like these things in their life that have always been there, but now they're like, ah. I can't believe I have this as my kid or I'm so grateful for, and I've never been able to think that way before. So the fact that you were able to learn boundaries, you were able to label people as safe and unsafe. You were able to learn the skill of putting that healthy fence up. Not everybody has access to me. right? That is of course, life-changing. And I wonder if you would have ever been able to have your brain think in that healthy way had you not unwound the big ball of trauma that came behind it.
1: Oh, I, I wouldn't, there's no way. I mean, I, I can guarantee you without a shadow of a doubt that I would have just continued repeating the same cycle, hoping for a different result. And wow. cause I had done it. I mean, I didn't always date like bad guys, but there was always some sort of, um, unhealthy, Or toxic tie, right? There was some, there was some hook that wasn't, it was never going to end in happy ever after for me in that way. And it, Uh and it's so funny because I meet people all the time that are like me in that everything else is going well. There's just that one thing. And they just kind of dissociate from that one thing. They just kind of say, well, it's not my thing. And I was so close to that. I, I was so close to having a hardened heart and turning completely from, um, from partnership in general, from the desire to have a godly husband, the desire to ever give my heart to somebody ever again. Um, I mean, I, I think I've known people who have turned even to different sexual preferences because they've been damaged so much in a certain way. And had it not been for the healing that I did, And for what God did through Splunkna, I can, I can guarantee you, I would have ended up just a bitter old. I mean, I think about, I have two children and I think about what my kids would have gone through Yeah, because I mean, that's, I mean, there are podcast episodes coming from, you know, all angles as far as like things that, things that could have happened. Right. But they didn't. And luckily, you know, I'm already seeing my daughter having a better discernment about the people she's allowing close to her. Yeah. And I do think, you know, it is, I think a lot of times in the enemy wants our spiritual gifts, he wants to taint them. He wants to exploit them. He wants to make them not effective And so sometimes I think the things that we are the absolute best at are the things he goes after. And I will say having that redeeming love that I still am able to give that I haven't, I, I don't have a hardened heart about is truly like the miracle of this because it would be so easy for me to just not trust people and not love people or quite frankly, not even like people.
0: It's almost shocking that after all you've been through, you still are the person who tends to give more and trust easily. And yeah, God really preserved that part of you.
1: He did. He did. And, and I'm really lucky for that. So there's that lucky label I can bring to the surface now. (laughs)
0: Yes. Uh, So, So touching on your kids, I'll finish with this. I just, the ripple effects of Therapy, healing, splunkna, whatever it is that you're doing to break those cycles in your own self. Like we will never be able to know the ripple effects, but it is vast. If you have kids, what you're not passing down to them, the patterns you're not showing them that are normal. It is literally generation changing. And that gets me so excited. It's huge for you, but it's huge for the next 10 generations of your family.
1: Yeah. And my challenge to anyone listening to my story that might relate more with my story is that I didn't feel like I was enough when I was going through this, but I did know that my kids were enough. Like, wow. And so just kind of keep that as a frame to see, you know, if you're seeing patterns in your kids, if you're seeing behaviors in your kids, if you're, if you're labeling your kids, something negative that you were also labeled in your life, like, that to me was enough why for me to just like, I don't, I didn't care what it cost. I didn't care how much energy I had to pour in or how far I had to drive. Like I was going to fix this. Um, And I think that just speaks into the urgency that I felt that I knew it wasn't right. And, and I think that 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 part of me is, is why I became a practitioner. Um, And so just to kind of I'll end cap this with how I became a practitioner Um, having gone through every type of abuse you can suffer in different relationships. And I want to be cautious just because I don't want, I don't want to, um, I don't want to seem like I'm persecuting anyone from my past, but having gone through all the different types of abuse, the one that I grappled with the most was this like emotional abuse or mental abuse that I suffered in that um, it was almost like the more shiny I was and the better I got or like anything that I achieved or kind of out outshone someone in. And I don't know if that's the right word, but it was almost like the men in my life would feel the need to break me down. And they would do that with usually like these negative labels or judgments or harsh criticisms of me. And so I was sort of littered with all of these negative labels that I had bought into that I believed was like attached to my self-worth. And so I started teaching other people how to reframe these labels, how to overcome them and how to remove them. But then I found through coaching that I would run into trauma oftentimes. And I I could recognize it because yeah. I had been through my own healing Um, And I, similar to you, didn't realize that you could have trauma that was emotional. I same, like I'd never been in a major car accident. I'd never had a broken bone. If someone had said the word trauma to me, I would have just said, I've never been through anything. I don't have any of that. Right. Like I didn't see these experiences as trauma, um, but I noticed as I would start to work with new clients that some labels would be like really easy to shift. Like I had a client who thought that she couldn't achieve her goals because she wasn't college educated. And what we, we eventually bubbled it down to her not being smart enough was actually not what was holding her back. But then I've had other clients that we've run into negative labels that are clearly rooted in, in trauma and negative emotion. And so that was what
0: drove me to go get Spelunkna certified. Now you're like, I'm stuck as a coach. I can't get you past that trauma. Yeah. But and if I'm not- I- know how to do Splunk now, we could work past this.
1: Yes. And yeah. and asking the questions, right. That's sort of more what talk therapy is about. I can, I can ask the questions, but I'm going to cost my client a lot more time and money. Um, and I think that's what my Splunkna experience revealed for me was, let me tell you, I would have never told a soul about, not only being exposed to adult content, but how often in my life I went to adult content for education because mm-hmm. I thought that that was an, just an indicator. I thought it was like a magazine for how to become a, a woman, right? Mm-hmm. Like, And so uh, there's no way in the circles that I was in, in the business success that I had had, in the, the many, many therapy sessions I had been in, there's no there's just no way I would have gone in and said, you know, this one time when I was six, this happened.
0: And I think it might be affecting every single relationship that I have. Like, would you have not said that because you didn't realize how it was connecting and showing up in your life or because of you were embarrassed to say it?
1: I think there's a couple different answers for this, having now being on the other side of it. One is I didn't know it wasn't normal. I thought everybody was learning about their sexuality through pornography.
0: Right. So which, why would you mention it to a therapist? Cause everyone, right. this is normal
1: life. Yeah. Right. The other thing really, when, when adult content took a hook in me, when the, when the enemy really started using it against me was, um, my, um, I want to be careful who like that. I don't point to anyone. Yeah. One of the relationships that I was in wouldn't, wouldn't touch me with a 10 foot pole. I was disgusting. I was unattractive. I was fat. I was, um, oh gosh, I was, I, there are too many labels for me to describe. I was a worthless piece of crap to this person. And so because I was committed in that relationship, it was important to me not to go seeking that need somewhere else. And so I was still, you know, I was using that content to, yeah. to comfort me and to bring yeah. myself intimacy that I needed in, in the relationship.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, I'm not using, I'm not using labels, but I think those that are listening can probably understand that I wasn't in a situation where I was just going to walk away. This was a committed relationship. There was no exit for me at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And so I would say, you know, the really honest answer to this is that I was still hooked into it. I was still, um, you know, I, it was still a part of my life and I guess I didn't even see how it was a problem because in my subconscious, I had, I had come to the resolve of like, I'm doing the right thing by not having an affair or not seeking that love elsewhere. so, yeah, I, you know, that's not something that's easy for me to share, but it is, it is my honest truth. So anyway, that's my story about how I came to Splunk on a paint bucket
0: with my okay. practitioner. And my last question, how long between when you started Splunk and when you went to go get trained in it? Um, it's, it's probably about five and a half years from the time I had my first session to the time I started training. Okay. So the first thing I remember meeting you, I remember you saying, Splunkna changed my life. Mm -hmm. And you looked at me like, I need you to know that I am not exaggerating. (laughs) Yeah, it did. So I was so excited to hear your story. Thanks for sharing that. I love hearing the long-term stories of people who are committed to it even over years. Yeah. As new things unfold and new things come to the surface.
1: You know, it's interesting because if somebody is kind of going into Splunkna hoping for that radical change, be prepared for the long game and spread out your sessions in a way where you can maintain that. So if you can only afford to go once every three months, God is still going to use that. Like you don't yes, we want to rush because we want the freedom, but if you can only afford to go so often, it is still so worth it to stay that long path because I wanted to highlight this about Noah's story too. I had the radical one single session that changed my life. It just took about three years to get there. And Uh. I think that that's an important distinction because it, like i said you know a lot needed to be cleared out a lot needed to be dealt with and that one session was worth all of the money spent the investment the time the driving the travel all the things and i think that that's when you can really look back and see the hope like if you're if you're listening to this and you're sitting in that dark season of life and you're struggling and you're trying to figure out what you want to try the the hope piece of that that you are worth whatever your version of better is, is what you have to hold on to. Because I could have quit. I could have easily stayed in the the very toxic relationship that I was in. I could have continued teaching my kids that that's how I deserve to be treated. And I would assume yeah. that either they would learn to treat others like that themselves, or they would have expected to be treated the same way. Um, and so, you know, that's kind of my story of there is no, there is no promise of how long it's going to take, but however long it takes is worth it.
0: Yes. That is a good way to say that. Well, thank you for sharing and bravely sharing your story. I love that we are getting to know each other as we host this podcast (laughs) together and we're learning more about each other's stories because we're just doing it along with all the listeners. And I think that's so cool. So thanks for sharing today.
1: Of course. Thanks for interviewing me. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the energy to heal podcast. If you are currently in a situation where you felt triggered emotionally by some of the topics shared in the show, please check out in the show notes, some links for support. Also make sure that you take care of yourself and that you choose you. I hope that my story brings you hope and that you continue to fight for your safety and your
0: freedom.